this is Robert Mitchell with High Tide in the Dreamtime. A uh, little post-Christmas episode. Um, not going to be Christmas related at all. It's going to be uh, related to things that have been happening in my life and things that I've been understanding and coming to understand the last few weeks about the work that I do with people and things that I've seen in the psychedelic world, which I feel like need to be addressed. So today's episode is going to be called The Intelligent Use of Psychedelics. And the reason I'm making this episode is I think that there's a lot of ways to use psychedelics, and some of them are not so intelligent. And some of them are not utilized in skillful means, and they're not utilized by skillful people. So I wanted to be able to give some, leave some breadcrumbs for some people who listen to my podcast and who are interested in psychedelics and let them know that, you know, psychedelics can be a tool for consciousness and for your life. And psychedelics can be healing. They can heal things that haven't been healed other ways. They can be catalysts for healing in a new and profound way, but they are tools. And like all tools, they can be used incorrectly. So a hammer can, you know, it can hammer nails. It can pull nails out if used properly, but if used without skill, it can fracture your thumbnail. It can bruise your fingers. You can drop it on your foot. It is a neutral instrument. And psychedelics are neutral instruments as well. They have enormous power in people's psyches, in the impact that they can have, in the ways that they can make people aware of patterns in their thinking and their behaving and their living and in their unconscious that they may not get access to any other way. And also in their potentials, in maybe buried potentials that have not been expressed at any point in their life because people have been pleasing the people around them and trying to be approved of. And sometimes they've buried the best of themselves so that the people around them won't be threatened. That's the kind of stuff that psychedelics can do for people. And also, the important thing is not to fetishize the psychedelics, whether they be psilocybin or LSD or DMT or 5-MeO-DMT or MDMA or mescaline. There are no spirits in these substances. Any opportunity people use to make it seem that these substances have spirit in them is people trying to fetishize psychedelics, people trying to empower themselves as arbiters of these spirits, people who call themselves shamans, people who, who put themselves as some kind of protector of people between themselves and these spirits, whether the spirits be ayahuasca or psilocybin or mescaline, that people need protection from these things and that there are people who provide this protection. It's like a psychedelic shakedown. 
Anybody who presents themselves as having some magical powers that are going to help people when they're struggling with the structures of their own consciousness, of their own ego, of their own unconsciousness, is a charlatan. And I have helped people in these states. So that's a pretty radical thing for me to say. But I've also seen a lot of charlatans already in this world. And basically what a charlatan is going to try and convince somebody of is that they have some special power to enter into their psychedelic state and heal them. And anybody who says they're doing that is a charlatan and a fool. Anybody who takes psychedelics while they're working with people who are using psychedelics is a charlatan and a fool. And just somebody who likes to take psychedelics and it gives them the excuse to do that. People who take psychedelics, whether it's ayahuasca or psilocybin or LSD or mescaline or DMT or 5-MeO-DMT, feeling like they're trying to enter a state where they're going to be of service to someone who's a client, to somebody who's going through something, is a fool. And all they're showing by doing that is that they don't have the required development in their own psyche to assist somebody who's struggling or needs support in gaining insight into the experience that they're having. There are no exceptions to this rule. Any place anybody finds themselves in a experience where there are people facilitating who are also using these substances has found themselves among charlatans. Whether they have PhDs after their names or master's degrees after their names, or they claim to be part of some lineage with the Mazatec or with the Shipibo or with the Bawiti in, East, in Eastern Africa is a charlatan. No person who works with people using psychedelics ever needs to be on psychedelics to help somebody. Which takes me... So that's, that's the first point I want to make about this. I want this to be helpful to people that if you're in a situation where you're interested in using psychedelics and the person that is facilitating your experience is using them as well, they are a charlatan. They're trying to create a sense of participation mystique with you and with the other people that are involved in that situation. When I say participation mystique, that exists in the human consciousness. It, 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 it existed at the Nuremberg rallies. It exists at a Rams game where you high-five strangers when the Rams score a touchdown because they're rooting for the same team you are. They're trying to have the same experience. It can happen at a Laker game. It can happen at a Trump rally. It can happen at a Grateful Dead concert. Any place 
where they're trying to break down the bonds and your awareness of your individuality is a place where they're trying to put you in a state of a participation mystique and they're trying to break down your discriminating mind. That goes for ayahuasca ceremonies. That goes for psilocybin ceremonies. That goes for DMT circles. That goes for any of these situations. Anytime that's done, it's because they don't want you to discriminate about what's going on around you. I was listening to a, to a story this week about people who are really highly held in this community who are having group MDMA section sessions and at the end singing, you are my sunshine. Everybody sings it to everybody and telling them that their individual stories don't matter as much as the group, which is precisely how Charles Manson used LSD with his family by everybody in the group using LSD and then him orchestrating how people behaved, how people thought, how people identified themselves. There's no difference between somebody who's written a book on psychedelics, having a group and telling them that their individual stories don't matter and what Charles Manson did with runaway kids saying they were now a member of a family. None. It's the same exact playbook. Which leads me to another point of unintelligent psychedelic use. Psychedelic use in groups. Psychedelic use in groups are designed for one thing. And the one thing that they're designed for is increasing the income of the person leading the group. Because if you can see a bunch of people at once and they're all paying hundreds of dollars for a night, it is way better than seeing people one at a time financially. And that's the only reason those groups exist. They exist to enrich in the practitioner and they exist to create groups where people do these psychedelics and identify with these groups. That's the only reason that they exist. And the most beneficial psychedelic experiences are going to happen inside of you. Hear that? The most profound psychedelic experiences are going to happen inside you. You don't need the support of groups. You don't need your friends around you. You don't need people who show up regularly at these events. You don't need facilitators and their assistance. You don't need any of those things. You need to have the courage and the support to engage your interior psyche, to bravely look at things that you have been avoiding, tendencies, shortcomings, bad habits, inherited belief systems, suffering that you've been willing to avoid or been working to avoid, and talents that you haven't expressed yet because you don't haven't had the courage to do it. 
You haven't had the freedom to do it. And all of those things are going to come up and oftentimes they're unpleasant because you're looking at the architecture of your life and of your consciousness. And we're not all leading ideal lives. I'm not. There's some things that are working really well and some things that aren't working as well. And if I'm in a psychedelic experience, I'm often having to take a look at the things that aren't working so well because that is what these materials do is they make what you're unconscious of conscious. They make the decisions that you're making without knowing that you're making decisions voluntary. And they make you realize that the limitations that you've experienced up to this point in your life, you've placed upon yourself. You've been complicit in it. Even if people haven't been empathetic to parts of you that you wish to express, you said that was okay. I said that was okay. You said, okay, I won't do it. I won't express that part of myself if you don't like it. Or if you don't think that's important, then I won't think it's important. Or you did this thing that was mean and unkind to me. And you know what? I took it on and I didn't question it. So now I do that to myself. That's the kind of experiences that people have on psychedelics. You don't need to be in a room with other people vomiting to face that. To have the courage to face that. And more likely than not, it's going to be a distraction. Anything that your physical senses pick up, whether it's sound, whether it is visual, whether it smells, whether it's other people walking by you, is going to distract you from your internal experience, which is the only place where changes take place, which is in your interior where you're seeing what's going on that nobody else can see. And if you're worried about the person next to you freaking out, if you're worried about the sound of someone vomiting continuously, that is going to take you away from your interior, just like walking around is and using your eyes and your muscles and your structure to, to, to move around. That is all going to be a distraction from your origins and from the experience, the unique experience of yourself that you can only probably have this way unless you are a profoundly capable meditator and you've been deep in psychotherapy. So you're going to get an activated experience of this, but you are not going to get it if you're distracted by your environment. And here's something else. Anybody who is performing for you during your experience, whether it's a shaman or some musician who likes to play their music while you, I've heard about that, while you're having your experience, they are working to have a captive audience because more likely than not, they can't have a captive audience in their regular lives. Their talents don't, don't deserve that. So if they're singing during your psychedelic ayahuasca experience, if they're playing music during your ayahuasca experience or during your psilocybin experience or they're singing songs in foreign languages, they're doing that because they've never had the venue to do that before. And they've now found a captive audience. They may be talented. I've seen talented people do it. 
But super talented people, they're getting paid to do that. And that's how they get their satisfaction is by performing. People who are confusing a captive audience on psychedelics for being talented are getting their narcissism completely caught up in their desire to help other people, period. There is no reason to impose oneself on somebody's psychedelic experience. I've worked in this venue for a really long time and my philosophy, because I've seen this work and I see what works and what works is allowing people to have their own experience and not to be interventionist, not to intervene with your talking, not to intervene with your singing, not to intervene with your philosophy of life, not intervene with what you think's going on with them because you're hallucinating and you think you're in some merged mystical state with them. All of that is a distraction. Whether it comes from the Amazon or it comes from Topanga or it comes from Point Doom or it comes from the Hollywood Hills, that's all a distraction. That's all people making themselves more valuable than they are because they don't know what they're doing. And they don't have faith in people's psyches to heal and guide themselves. The only thing that works with psychedelics, because psychedelics will not make you enlightened. They will not solve your problems. They're a tool that will show you the dynamics of your consciousness and maybe ways that you can improve it, ways that you've been using it habitually that are not ultimately real, ways that you've limited yourself with your own misunderstanding, with the limits of what you understand. And maybe psychedelics will allow you to expand the limits of what you understand about yourself, about your life, about death, about existence in this life, before this life, after this life, it's all tied together. But I have worked with people who have told me that the psychedelics didn't work. I work with people who've had very profound experiences and very profound insights into their own experience. And then they told me the psychedelics didn't work. People who experienced what they described as the highest heavens or eternity. And it completely relativized the obsessive difficulties that they had in their life. And then they did things to get themselves out of that state because they didn't trust it. And then when, when they were back to normal, they didn't respond to what they learned in that state. So they, didn't, they weren't failed by psychedelics. They failed psychedelics. Meaning, if you think that psychedelics are some magic pill that is going to change you forever just by taking it and having some trip, it's not. That belief system is going to leave a lot of people enormously disappointed. Enormously disappointed with psychedelics, even when they become legal 
Because what makes a difference is how you behave afterwards. What makes a difference is how you think afterwards. What makes a difference is how you empathize with other people and your understanding of them afterwards and how you remind yourself every day of that experience you had. Just like you remind yourself of other experiences you have had that are forming of who you are, both positive and negative. The way that people implement their insights is the determining factor about whether or not their psychedelic experiences are successful. So the experience itself is never the determining factor. Never. And anybody who's selling that is selling nonsense because there's so much work to do afterwards. There's so much work to do with this new information. And you have, to, you have to trust yourself that you're willing to do that work. And whether that work involves making amends with people, whether that work involves undertaking a project you've always been afraid to undertake, whether that means changing your relationships, whether that means doing new work, whether that means forgiving people for what they've done to you, you have to do that yourself. The psychedelics cannot do that for you. They cannot enlighten you. They cannot change you. Only you can change you. Anybody who's selling psychedelic experiences as the experience itself will heal you is a snake oil salesperson. It's all a lie. People who do psychedelics over and over and over again and don't change are addicts. They're more often than not, what they're addicted to is disassociation from themselves. It's another form of television. The first ayahuasca ceremony I ever went to, and I didn't go to a lot of them because I could see pretty quickly that they were nonsense. Uh, the first person I ran into was standing out on the porch smoking a cigarette. I've told this story before. And I was like, hey, how many of these have you been to? And he said, oh, at least 100. And I thought to myself, and over 100 and you're still smoking cigarettes, huh? Well, this is obviously bullshit for you. I hear about people going to ayahuasca ceremonies every weekend. I hear about people doing 5-MeO-DMT 50, 60 times. I think Mike Tyson's talking about that now. If you need to do 5-MeO-DMT more than once, which is frog venom or, or synthetic 5-MeO, you didn't get it. If you need to go to an ayahuasca ceremony every weekend to feel like you're making progress in your life, you didn't get it. Because here's the truth about psychedelics is if you take psychedelics and they present you with things that you need to change and you don't change those things and then you go back to the psychedelics, they go, hey, we already talked about this and you didn't do anything about it. So let's do it again. It can become 
a, a circular doorway where you're just going over the same things over and over and over again. A psychedelic experience that's profound and insight, offers insights can be mined for years. It can be relied on for years. It can, be, it can teach things for years. It can expose you to new parts of yourself for years. It can be revelatory for years. Nobody needs to go to their group ayahuasca ceremony every weekend for months. It's complete bullshit. Nobody needs a psychedelic guru. Nobody needs to fly to Peru or to go to Mexico or to go to Jamaica to do psychedelics. Those places don't have any magical ability for you to experience your interior structure, which is what your whole life is about. Everybody that can hear my voice, their life is about the limits of their internal structure. That's everybody's karma. This is the limit of what I understand. That's why I'm here, trying to, ex trying to exceed that. My parents reflected back to me, your parents reflected back to you, the limits of what you understood. And you went, oh, I see, that's what I understand, what you just said to me about myself and what you made me feel, I understand. That's a feedback system. But when you go past that, then you're really making progress in yourself, no matter what your relationships are like or what your work is like or what your finances are like. You can build those things on new awarenesses. Your creativity, you can build on new awarenesses. Psychedelics are being co-opted by scientific materialism, by therapists and psychiatrists and neuroscientists. They want to validate psychedelics with science. And that's going to bring some people to use them and to utilize them. But that's not why psychedelics help people. Psychedelics help people because they put them in the system of their comprehension of reality. And more often than not, your senses, your eyes, ears, uh, nose, and, what, and, your, and your touch, they've just told you a little bit of the story. They've told you a very small percentage of what you are. And psychedelics like dreaming or like meditation can tell you so much more. And when you know so much more, you can be so much more. You can be so much more using those senses and being physical and being a human being. But the things that you've learned up to this point about yourself that have required you having an entire lifetime are what psychedelics will put you in touch with and the misunderstandings that you have. But all that's going to be required of you for them to make a difference is for you to work your ass off afterwards to implement what you've been shown, to transform what is limited, to comprehend what has been incomprehensible, and then to live that. And to live that authoritatively and to make the effort, to make the effort to think different. Like Steve Jobs said, think different about yourself, about the world, about what your capabilities are, about what your courage is, 
Because more than anything, what's required in these experiences is courage. Courage to endure in the face of the things that you've always wanted to avoid about yourself and to transform those things into who you've always wanted to be. But that's not going to happen if you get distracted by a participation mystique. If you get distracted by a charismatic person who likes to sing beautiful songs while you're having your experience so that you think you need that person for the experience. Look, I definitely think it's best to have these experiences guided. But if the person who guides the experience doesn't have faith in the genius of your psyche to reveal and heal, they're useless. And they're just going to distract you from your own genius. And one thing that you need to have faith in to really gather the riches of these experiences is that your life has meaning and that you have a capacity to metabolize these experiences and turn them into something that is beneficial to you and more importantly, beneficial to other people because it improves you. It improves your empathy. It improves your compassion. It improves your broad-mindedness. It, it removes limitations in yourself. And the only way you're going to do that is with the efforts afterwards. Nobody can do it for you. That's just more wanting more parents, wanting better parents. We're not going to have any better parents than we had. Even if they sing or can provide the most far out psychedelics. Even if they make you feel like you're part of a group that's a family. That's what I heard this week was this Northern California therapist expert saying you're part of a family now that you're in this group. Just like Charles Manson said, what psychedelics want is sharp thinking individuals contributing to the whole, caring for others through the genius of their own being that they've acknowledged so that other people can see that in themselves and other people can benefit from that and they can contribute that to society. And if they're not doing that, they can't help you. They can't help you do for you what you aren't willing to do for yourself. But they can be an enormous help. They can be an incredible tool. Like a wheel has been an incredible tool or a hammer, or a lever. But that's all they are, just tools. And that doesn't diminish them at all.
If, so good luck with that. This has been Robert Mitchell at High Tide in the Dreamtime. You can check out my website at www.goingquantum.org. I know I have a lot of listeners, but not a lot of people leave reviews. And you can leave reviews at Apple Podcasts for my website, and that helps create traffic, which is always a nice thing. Um, and it's the time between... Christmas and New Year's. It's cold and rainy and snowy in places. And it's the best time to have internal experiences. It's the best time to dream. It's the best time to meditate. It's the best time to be around inside with people you love who are healthy and who make you feel good. So enjoy this time of year. uh, You know, there are parts of it that's a downer for me. It cuts down on tennis, which I really enjoy, but I enjoy the interiority. And one of the things about these podcasts is I want to encourage people's interiority. All right. Till next time, this is Robert Mitchell. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Enjoy yourselves. Savior of the human race